Glyfsi, and welcome to Real Indigenous Junior Edition. We have two very special guests with us tonight, and we're going to talk about a movie about lacrosse. So I'm going to have our new guests introduce themselves. You want to tell everybody your name? Hello, my name is Raph. And Raph, where do you live? In Alaska. And what are you doing visiting Oklahoma? Uh, to visit my aunt, a.k.a. you, <laughs> and, and for camp. Oh, so you went, you've been going to camp. Where have you been going to camp? I've been going to camp at First Americans Museum. Awesome. Okay. And I'm going to let our guest introduce himself. My name is Nusika. My pronouns are it, one, and specific pronouns, which uh, specific pronouns you can pronounce them however you want, but it's they, them without the TH. Do you guys do clans? Not really, because uh, our clan system was broken up after the Trail of Tears. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, and so we don't really know our, our, our clans. Well, I understand that you play lacrosse. Yeah. So Nuzika plays the game that we're watching on TV. Stickball? I think it's a, is it stickball or is it lacrosse? Uh, lacrosse. Oh. Can, can you, play, you, you play a little bit both, don't you? Yeah. Can you tell Raph the difference between the two? Uh, lacrosse, it's, it's like, it's, you use one stick and it's not really that fun because I'm on a woman's team and we can't do anything like push someone down. It's not that fun, but it's still great. And what about stick, what's stickball? Uh, stickball, you use two sticks, and uh, you have to shoot it towards a pole. You shoot at a pole, mm-hmm. and in la- and lacrosse, it's what is uh, it? It's a net. And in and stickball, you get to push people around. Yeah. All right. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you, know. you get to tackle. Mm-hmm. Wait, you get to tackle people in stickball? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have signed up for stickball, Raph. I'm gonna be good at it. Wait, it takes everything takes practice. Remember. Yeah, but I'm impatient, so it's hard for me to I'm not very patient, so it's hard for me to wait until I get good. I get that. But it helps to stick with it. So Patience takes practice. (laughs) Patience does take practice. That's very true. Oh, they'll never learn patience. Because you need because yeah, because you actually need patience in order to actually have patience. That seems very wise, very true. So we asked our young guests to watch a movie so that we could discuss indigenous representation in a youth movie. Anybody want to talk about the name of the movie? What's the name of the movie? Do you remember? The name of the movie is Crooked Arrows. Crooked Arrows? Crooked Arrows. Oh, Crooked Arrows. Yeah. So uh, who wants to tell what the story is about? Um, well, the story is about a bunch of a team that is playing that plays lacrosse is it yeah and at the beginning it's they're not very good at it no offense but like and so they practice along the movie though there is profanity and violence it's new is is that right is that what you remember from watching the movie yeah a little bit is there anything you want to add not really what, what font did they use for this movie Oh, no. So, uh, Angela, as a uh, 
as a person who, who does design, what's the problems with papyrus font? Where do I start? Papyrus font it has become synonymous with the blue things, for one thing. <laughs> what blue things? Oh, what are those things called? Uh, what are they called? I don't know. Avatars? Avatar, thank you. Have you ever seen the movie Avatar? Oh, wait, is it the animated one? Yes. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, oh not the one about the kid who has the powers, but the blue people, the little, little cat people. Yes. Nope, haven't seen it. In fact, okay. I haven't seen neither of them. And Papyrus also becomes associated with a lot of churches, bizarrely. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, down here, all of these like rock and roll churches decided to use Papyrus for some reason or another. I don't know why. So was it a good representation of how you play play the game lacrosse? Yeah, a little bit, I guess, but because it looks hard, it looks like you get to like get hurt and like hit people with sticks and fall down. Uh, and that's mostly and... the male male teams where you get to actually hit people, uh, but female teams you actually you don't really get to hit people because we don't have any like armor. We just have a head thing, and I forgot <laughs> like the mouth. Mouth guard. Yeah, mouth guard. So I eye guard and mouth guard. So try to hit somebody. That would be illegal in the game. There in practice, I may have hit a child. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you did you like the movie? Uh it was okay. There were some uh things that I didn't really like, like some questionable things about perhaps stereotyping certain aspects of it. I'll ask, the, I'll ask Raph the same thing. What did you think of the movie, Raph? It's okay. Uh, my opinion doesn't really matter because I don't, I don't really like to watch, I don't really like to spend my time watching movies, you know. You're a gamer, right, Raph? Yeah, I am, but not a good one. What, do you, what else do you like to do? Cook. Oh, that's good. Are you a good cook? Uh, yeah, I'm four to five. Excellent. Out of five? <laughs> that's good. He's a five, everybody. All right. And that's what you're here in uh, Oklahoma for, right? For the cooking? What'd you learn to cook this week or lately? Well, I learned to make chia seed pudding on Monday. And then I made blue corn mush yesterday. And then today I cut, I sauteed, I don't know what the leaf is called. I'll just call it basil. Okay. Those sound yummy. Well, it- I know that you don't like to watch movies, but we watched this one. What did you have anything to say about their costumes? Well, their costumes look similar to football costumes. Okay, what about the powwow? So we went to a powwow on Saturday. What did you think about the scenes from the powwow in this movie? I usually don't go to powwows. They're like, there's dancing involved. The only reason why I don't really like dancing is because it was ruined by TikTok, you know? And then in the movie, the movie's form just was better. So how does TikTok run dancing? Well, when it's first be- it first became popular, a bunch of girls dancing to music. It wasn't too bad. I thought it wasn't too. I thought it wasn't too bad at first, but then it started getting awful. Well, I mean, it was already awful. <laughs> Do you feel the same thing, Asika? Yeah, it started out as musically, which was like girls lip syncing and like boys lip syncing and just like trying to get popular on musically. And it was not, it, it, no, it wasn't great. And then it 
kept getting worse progressively. Before I quit on TikTok, is there much like indigenous representation in TikTok of dancing or music, any kind of those forms that you ever see? Uh, it's it's not, it's kind of rare. Uh, I don't really see it. You, I guess you have to search for it instead of just like seeing it normally. It doesn't pop up like, is that how TikTok works? It pops up like randomly. Well, it depends on how they, it depends on how they tag it. If they do a four-year page, and then you can go in and search for hashtag Native TikTok, and that pulls up different Indigenous dancers and creators. No offense or anything to the TikTok trend, but the dancing trend on TikTok is like phase two of cringe. Not gonna lie. I have no idea what that means. Well, I know. I know what it means, but I don't know how to explain it. Uh, do you know what it means? Let's Please just don't. say, let's just say, cringe is like, um, like cousins with disgusted out or something. Okay. But, oh, okay. So it's all cringe worthy. Is, is I think is what we used to call it. It's all yeah. cringy. Makes one cringe. Makes one cringe. Makes one cringe. Yeah. Well, I. Well, I think the tick TikTok. Dances are phase two on cringe, but trust me, I've seen worse. Okay, what's the highest phase of cringe? Oh, like a a grown man acting like a toddler online for attention. That's phase what? Phase 10, which is the final phase. Oh no. All right. Well, I'll try not to act like a toddler. Okay. On TikTok. And then phase nine is literally people wasting food. Like Like wasting food isn't funny. You could have just you could have just gave it to the hungry kid instead, but you mm-hmm. instead decide to waste food, especially fresh. Like why would you do that? And then a uh, uh the phase eight of cringe is uh PNG tubers. Like have you seen PNG tubers before on YouTube Jelly shorts? Bean. Yeah. So like. The most known one is Jelly Bean, and then the most hated one, which I'm part of it, is Meowba. Yeah. All right. I'll look those up. I don't really like Red Velvety or Frost Thoughts because they're both furries. No. We have a friend who's afraid of furries. Uh, yes. And I, people call me a furry. That, uh, I have, yeah. Because of their ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't If know. it's... If it's just the ears, then you're not furry. But if it's the whole body, then you're furry. Yeah, that kind of scares. Uh, yeah, I don't really like the whole body furry. What if you're a hairy person like Bigfoot? Are you a furry man? A hairy? Um, yeah, pretty much. And uh, that's pretty much oh. what I want to say for now. Excellent. Thanks for educating me. I didn't know all that stuff. It's a whole new level of understanding. New. You need to educate me on this stuff. Did you seem to know it all? So I watched this movie last night and I liked it. It's a, it's a genre film. I mean, it's a sports film and it happens to be a sports film about a sport that indigenous people started. And I like the fact that they brought in one of the native nations from the Northeast to help them make this movie to tell the story about reclaiming this game that's so important to them. 
What about you, Tully? What did you think? So for me, I did like it mostly. I had problems with it mm-hmm. overall. I guess some of the stuff that we can talk about is like the, the good thing about it was, yes, it, as it was stated somewhere, is that it was like the first movie about lacrosse. And so that made it something interesting. It also opened up the idea that lacrosse is a game that was started by indigenous peoples and because a lot of times people stereotype the game with the, with like rich white kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was good to like say, you know, that actually it was like the natives who actually did this. And so I think one of the things that I did want to talk about was like, you know, they did, they did have like coaches from various lacrosse in the Northeastern state. And what, um, one of my heroes is Oren Lyons, who is, um, he led the 1957 Syracuse University lacrosse team to an undefeated season. And he was, I believe he was a guard and he is a member of the Onondaga and Seneca Nations. And so I wish that they had had him do a cameo or something because he is in a, in a documentary called Spirit Game, and, which is about lacrosse. And I wish I had, they had kind of did something, you know, to, to, to honor him and to put, put him on. And the other thing too is like, you know, like with any, any, most Indian movies, you might see somebody you know, and I got to see uh, my friend Charlotte Logan who, who has like a, what I would call a cameo, but she was in a scene with, the, with Superman. What's Superman's name? Uh, Brandon Ruth. And so, um, so I did like about that. They did say that the movie was $6 million and had financial backing from the Onondaga uh, nation and, and had support from like Syracuse University and stuff. But the, the problematic thing, I guess, would be that the script was written by a white dude. And so, you had the question like, you know, how much input did the tribe have with the script? And so we can kind of talk about the problematic things. Uh, did, did you see, did you see anything problematic? Any of you guys? Nisika saying yes. Tell me about what you saw because yeah, we kind of had a discussion about it. So they were talking about the Lando Lakes maiden poem, which is talking about her and stuff. So I'm not sure if that was like, okay. Also, there's some flute music during certain scenes that was um, that could have been considered stereotypical. They also showed the white teacher as, as the only person who knows and teaches and cares about the language. Also, I think the assistant coach, uh, Nadine is her name. I, I forgot. Um, the little sister? Yeah. You can't really find her race confirmed as like an Indian person. So it's a little bit questionable if she's actually Indian. Also, there's one scene I really disliked where um, the like the person who's talking about the game, uh, sports announcer. Yeah, he um, he called uh, the assistant coach hot, which we believe she's an, she's a high schooler. So that was a little bit problematic in my opinion. That's mostly all. Those are a lot of great observations. One of the first images you see is Superman walking in dressed as like a Indian and everybody call him Chiefy. And our first response was, why don't they get a white dude to play this lead role as a native person? And so I did a little digging on it. And according to the, what do you call it? The press about this movie is that he is connected to the Blackfoot tribe and, and, and he is considered a member of the Blackfoot tribe, but I've not heard or seen like the actual confirmation of that 
And the woman who played the little sister, I believe her name's Christina Ricketts, has, is a person who claims Blackfoot, but the Blackfoot tribe has not mentioned of any connection to, to the tribe. So, so hers is really problematic. And then um, Superman may or may not be in, and I haven't like seen either or, so I can't say he is or isn't. So for right now, Superman's Indian. So that's the thing that this could be discussed. I don't know if you guys ever talk about those kind of things, Raf and, and Nisika. Do you guys ever discuss tribal affiliation, native, what's the term that it's called for people who claim to be Indian? Pretendian? Yeah, pretendian, pretendian. is the, is the term that's- Have you ever heard the you. term pretendian? No. Raf, do you know what tribe you are? I don't think I'm in a tribe. You are. Which one? You're a Nupiak. A Nupiak. So, you know, and those are the kind of things that that are can be problematic. Is like even just this idea because, on one side, we do have problems with people who claim to be a native tribe, such as the we talked about before was the the creator of the TV show Trickster, who claimed she was various nations in Canada, when it turns out she was neither. But then on the other side, you know, there are people who may may be native and and not even a, you know, due to like government intervention, not be allowed to state what their tribe is, or they can only claim one tribe, but not the other. And other things such as uh, in the 70s, there was the adoption where people were adopted out and, and lost, you know, that tribal connection, or they would have people like with a friend of mine who is adopted, his parents will not let him say that he is of his tribe. And so he's, he is by blood Comanche, but by paper, he, by recognition, he's not Comanche. And well, so you and, have in my tribe, you know, won't accept me as a member. I'm enrolled well, I shouldn't say enrolled. I'm a shareholder in a native corporation, but I am not a member of a tribe because in my application, they said, well, they just didn't let me in. They didn't say why. And so that becomes complicated. And that's what we talked about. You and I, Nisik, is like, you know, we, for now, we have to say Superman is Indian because we really don't know because we don't have enough knowledge or proof to say he isn't. But there's the unfortunate. Just to, just to put this in context, what year was this made? 2012. So what year was Pearl made? So the Chickasaw Nation decided to start up their own film productions and tell their own stories their own way, which is great. However, their first couple of outings remind me a lot of this film in that they went for the Hollywood known name and had people involved that were not necessarily in community, like what you're talking about. I think that really paying attention to the people that are making the movies being in community is something that's very recent, especially with Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs and Trickster, that these films are being held to a higher standard in the past couple of years. Whereas in previous years, I think that everybody was just trying to get their stories out there and they didn't know enough about the production process to be able to do it in-house, you know, since, since Pearl and since, oh, what was the other one that they did? Teata. There's been more 
outreach and education within Indian communities for telling our own stories. I mean, Tully, you're, you teach this to Native communities, how to tell our own stories, how to work on a film crew. And so I think that that has contributed a lot to how we hold these standards today. However, in the aughts, in the early teens, this was what we had, which was a step forward from Billy Jack. So Billy Jack is a film that was, I mean, was there anybody Indian involved in Billy Jack? As far as I know, maybe the actors, secondary actors, what are they called? Uh, Co-actors, <laughs> supporting actors. Supporting actors. So if you look at the 60s, there's a lot of red face going on, 60s and 70s, you know, 80s. I don't know, what are the some of the native films of the 80s? Were there any? There were a few. I don't know who uh, put money to Win 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 Walker. Oh, I remember Win Walker. Was that the '80s? That was the '80s, or maybe the '70s. But it was a movie that was done in the. Oh God, what what tribe was it? Um, Is it Win Walkers or Win Talkers? Win Walker, Arapaho, the Cheyenne Arapaho language, and it was all done in Cheyenne Arapaho language. But our main character was a white person who was somewhat of a star he was a Howard so they would put those kind of things in and it's kind of like you know where we have problematic moments where someone like this would come in of people with questionable tribal affiliation right so that was the 80s then we get into the 90s and that that's kind of the rise of uh, Dances with Wolves and Graham Greene and Maverick and those kinds where we're starting to see a little bit more authentic representation, but we're not there yet. So, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years after Red Face, we're actually getting some trained Native actors who are in these movies. And then, then we start getting people in the, the Writers Guild, in the Producers Guild. We start getting seeing people in the Writers Room and starting to in these different Native nations that are standing up their film production companies. And so now we're seeing, like Zahn was saying about Dark Winds, we're seeing Native people being empowered to tell their own stories. So it's been a progression. And so if you look at this film as a moment in time, it reminds me a lot of Pearl. It's a Native story told by non-Natives, yet endorsed by a tribe who is trying to set the record straight. Is it cringeworthy? I would say absolutely 100% cringeworthy. I don't know which number. <laughs> what number is on the cringe? I mean, phase. The, this movie that we watched. There were some cringeworthy moments. Yep, she's right. What were some phase cringes for you, Raf, in this movie? Dating, uh, phase three, and yeah. So the dating part? Yeah. The dating part was cringy. My, am I the only person who thinks dating is cringe? No, you are not. Okay, thank God. Everyone yeah, does. I think it's pretty cringy. It's very and they should, they don't, they should. Dating is very cringy. Mm -hmm. My cringe moments in this, though, were the same as yours, New. The flute music, the the very stereotypical vision was it a vision quest what were they doing yeah like the vision like what do you see a bear a wolf so there's a scene um where they go to a sweat lodge so let's go back a second 
So we meet this guru type of Indian guy, mm-hmm. which is kind of stereotypy of the spiritual shaman concept. Yeah, the, myst- the mystic Indian. And so did you notice the... Did you notice that, Raf or, or Nasika, about yeah, that? And so, so what was our joke that we said when, when he ran up the hill? He's just always on that mountain. <laughs> oh, yeah. How so, did he get up there? <laughs> it's a good question. It's like, you stand there all the time. <laughs> and like, all of a sudden, you show up. <laughs> We're just waiting for somebody to show up. And so, and so then they go into drove a- his truck up the back way. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they go into the sweat lodge and they had this these visions you know I so again i don't know how the how the haudenosaunee use sweat lodges to to be informed enough of how uh accurate that is but the few times i've done sweat lodges i've not really you know saw myself as a bear or a dog or any of those kind of visions of animals you know and so I didn't know if that's a very common thing. Does anyone know anything about sweat lodges and how, what the, because usually it's a cleansing ceremony. We, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd have to ask someone who's, who's people do that. And we don't really do it either, but I've been invited, you know. And so I, I think in, in this instance, it was used as a pan-Indian thing, which I'm also not a fan of pan-Indian things. So, Raph, are, are you uh, aware? Do you, do you know about lacrosse? Do you have any understanding of lacrosse? No. Okay. What's, what's like the common sports uh, up where you are in Alaska? Common sports? Yeah. What are some sports that, that, uh, is, that you guys play uh, as your buddies? They mostly play basketball and football. Mm-hmm. We uh, saw some games. We saw the high kick, and we also see the long reach. Okay, and those are uh, traditional games, the high kick and the long reach? Yes, the the World Eskimo Indian Olympics takes place every summer, and athletes compete in games that are similar to the skills you would need when you're hunting out on the tundra, which includes being able to carry four people so they, they load you up with four people and you see how far you can walk on the gym floor. Mm-hmm. And there's another one where they hang a ball of fur from a stick and then the athletes run and then kick it either with one foot or both feet. And then they have to land on one foot. And it's, it's really hard. My, my personal trainer couldn't do it. So it takes, it takes a lot of skill to do that one. And it's probably the flashiest of all of them. And there's another one where you have to, you're kneeling down and you have to reach out and grab something and then be able to pull it back in. So like if you're on the ice, mm-hmm. and you're trying to lean over where there's a crack and you can pull, and then pull it back in, which takes a lot of core strength. And then there's another one that's a greased pole on the ground and you try to see how far you can walk on it, which that's just funny. I think, <laughs> but there's nothing like lacrosse. There's nothing like stickball. So what New had said was like, you know, there was a poem about the in- Indian maiden, maiden on the uh, Land of Lakes poem that was talked about in the classroom. Yes. To juxtapose that with later on, 
calling that little girl hot, the little teenage girl. And so, you know, you're on one side, you're talking about those problems and stereotypes of uh, sexual, whatever it was, sexy native woman. And then on this other side, they're still perpetuating that. And so we kind of had a problem with that. Did you have anything more to say about that or what your thoughts were? Not really. Yeah, it's something that doesn't go away. We, we are reminded of it every Halloween, aren't we, New? And ironically enough, it was an Indian artist who did the uh, Land Lakes that painted that woman. I don't know if that many people know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he did it like in 1939. Oh, and didn't um, the teacher say that that poem was written by a native? The Haudenosaunee. Yeah, but that was also, you know, before MMIW, you know, a lot more awareness of these issues these days, which is good. I'm glad. Um, it's a good thing. And so the other thing that, you know, I found when I was doing my research on the movie was that um, when the writers and producers brought the script to the Onondaga Nation, they didn't like the script and they felt it was riddled with cultural inaccuracies and stereotypes. And so... <laughs> And so I wondered what it looked like before, before it was its final product. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. <laughs> and oh, and the, the other thing too is the director has claim of being Cherokee, the director of this movie. Oh, okay. So who, he also directed the 80s classic Can't Buy Me Love. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so again, it's that thing of like, you know, it depends on who you are of how you look at who claims what and who they are and how much we go and how much we accept you know well it stuck to a pretty standard sports movie formula you know the mm -hmm. bumbling team the reluctant coach the you know building a team and reconnecting and finding your strengths and then coming back from behind and winning everything so whenever we talk about lacrosse or stickball, people kind of always like compare it as being the same thing, but there are differences. And so like for like lacrosse, it's traditional in the, the Haudenosaunee nation. And, and those are like the Mohawk, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, Seneca, and the Tuscarora nations. And this movie itself, they, they created a native tribe, which was, what was it, the Senequit? Senequit? Something like that. Senequit. And, and I don't know why they created a, a different nation's name. Maybe just to kind of have a step away from it so it doesn't like make any, any single tribe feel left out, I would assume. Well, I mean, and it's just so, like Rutherford Falls with the Minishanka. Which is also set in New York, right? Or Pennsylvania. I can't remember which. Oh, okay. And so for, for this tribe, the lacrosse is known as creator's game. They kind of talked about that in a movie. And according to the Onondaga Nation, Tadadaho Sid Hill, he says that lacrosse is something that the creator gave to us for our enjoyment. And in turn, we gave, give thanks for our young men having that ability and strength. It keeps the young men in good mind and good spirit. And so for our tribe, our stickball is called Little Brother War. <laughs> right. so, and so maybe, maybe, it, maybe it has some healing factors to it in that before we actually go to war with a nation, we would, this would be what we would play. So in, instead of murdering somebody and killing someone, uh, 
we'd play long games of stickball to see who would win out for whatever it is that, that we were fighting for. And so, and, my, and I would assume that sometimes people would die or would be injured, terribly injured, because it would go for days and, it would, and it's like, almost like at the beginning of the movie where they talked about how they would go for, I don't remember how long they went for, but basically miles to, to go from one goal to another. And it'd be like hundreds of people playing at one time. Now our stickball kind of has rules and like, uh, even though we can tackle and things like that, you, you still have to be careful and not break somebody. And we don't really wear pads or helmets. In the movie, the girl got to play lacrosse with the boys, but is that's not the case in stickball, is it? Can the girls play with the boys in stickball? In stickball, it's usually girls versus girls and boys versus boys. Whenever we do exhibitions, every once in a while, everyone kind of plays. And for Choctaw, it would be that girls and boys can play with sticks, but with like other tribes, the like Cherokee, for instance, I wish Candace was on for this. She could tell us more, but the girls have to use their hands. They don't play with the sticks and the boys play with the sticks and the girls can tackle and knock the boys down, but the boys can't. And for some tribes in uh, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, they, the girls are not allowed to touch the sticks. And I, I can't remember why, but this was something that an, another person would tell me, would t- tell me about. It's like, she wasn't supposed to, but she would, but, and people would get upset with her. And so, you know, and so there's like a, a reason for it. And that, again, I think we'd have to have a, <laughs> someone from an expert, yeah. tell us about how that works and what that works. I don't want to, I don't want to be mis- misrepresenting it. So I, I didn't want to say too much on it. So new, what else was on your list besides the the flute like there's a one scene where the uh the grandma uh, whenever they lost to the coven trees they were like in that one room and mo- like i guess most of them were naked i guess oh in the locker room the locker room yeah and the grandma was there and and she like looked at them in a certain way that was that um that was like kind of pervy yeah <laughs> And, and they're like, I'm sure they're probably 18 or older, but they're, they're still in high school. And it, 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 yeah, it made me kind of uncomfortable, I guess. So do you recall that scene where they're not in the locker room? I do. I think they yeah. were playing that one for laughs. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that Hollywood touch. Again, early, early 2010s, still playing by Hollywood rules. So stick that in there for a, a quick laugh. Maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't. Did you have anything else on your list? Not really. What did you think of the film overall? It was okay. There, Yeah, there were some spots that weren't great, but I did like the message where it's like natives playing this game and then reclaiming it and stuff. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy it. I think that my favorite line out of the whole thing was the white woman that said, when did Indians start playing oh, yeah. lacrosse? <laughs> yeah. I liked it at the end also when all of the other Native nations showed up with their flags. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. And the backstory of that was when the film was coming to, to that scene, they wanted to invite all the tribal members to be in that scene. And so what they did was they just said, yeah, just y'all just show up wearing red shirts because the, it's, the color is going to be the red of the characters. And you guys just come in and like, you know, oh, like you did, you know, like they did in the movie. 
But what they did was like the high school students uh, created the, the graphic and put the crooked arrows on the shirts and passed it out to everybody. So everybody was wearing a crooked arrow shirt. So it was, you know, like almost like a community uh, costume design basically. And so, and so that was a surprise to the filmmakers and everyone because they weren't expecting that to happen. Well, I think overall I liked it. I, yes, I agree. There were a lot of problems with it. It didn't hurt my feelings any that it was Superman. <laughs> I rapped. Oh, he he left. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's done with us. Yeah, and so, but you know, you know, you, did you see that Superman with Brandon Root Ralph with that guy? I, I think so. Okay. Are you might they have saw it? They call him the Stalker Superman because all he did was sit outside Lois Lane's window, <laughs> flying around her house like a creep. But he's also on Legends of Tomorrow. And I really, I mean, I think he seems like a nice guy. And I think he probably had the best of intentions in making, I think everybody had the best of intentions in making this movie. Right. Well, he did hype it. I mean, he did say that when he got the script, he really loved the script and really wanted to do it, wanted to be in it. I did wonder why the teacher was white. I mean, talk about things that you could lose out of a script and it wouldn't change the story. That was one of them. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one who cares about the language and teaching mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think one of the discussions was like oblique white savior mentality still. Uh, this PhD white woman comes to teach high school. And she's also the only love interest. And then her son, who plays on the lacrosse team, has also has a character arc story of, of finally being able to be the, the player he was meant to be. And so the question would be, yeah, why, why didn't we have, I don't know, is she a name star, a name actress? I, I mean, I kind of recognized her, but she didn't stand out to me. Mm-hmm. But I know that frequently when we're not telling our own stories, people feel like there has to be a quote unquote relatable white character to give our non-native audiences like something to relate to what do you think why why do you think they chose specifically a white person to be that character probably to like just have a white person in in the movie i think they didn't exactly and and love interest as well they yeah like the two people who like there's one white woman and this native guy they he could have not had a love interest or like do anything else but they I feel they just needed a love interest and they decided to make it a white woman yeah they didn't really explore the superman being mixed my assumption was that they originally wrote it as an indian person and so at the time i'm assuming superman was superman when that came out right and so I think they got Superman to be in the movie. That was a big get. And so they wanted to, it was, it was that thing of like, you know, finding a, a star to be in your movie so you can get funding. And it looks like his production company also was listed a, as a producer at the beginning. Is that correct? Oh, really? Is, I think so. Does Brandon Routh have his own production company? Yeah, I think all actors do. Oh, <laughs> it did seem like a pa- quote unquote passion project. Raph, we were talking about the love interest and everything. You ever fall in love? Now I want to fall in love. Now you do or you don't? I don't. 
Okay. <laughs> Who do you want to fall in love with? No one. <laughs> Except for my family. Oh, that's sweet. And my friends. So the other thing about the casting is that when they were casting, they wanted people who could play lacrosse because they felt like it would be harder to teach someone to play lacrosse and it would be harder to teach someone to act, <laughs> basically. And so what they did is they did find actual players of the game who happened to be of the Confederacy, the, the Onondaga Confederacy. So like the team was made up like, I, I, I did find a list of their names. I'm going to give them to you right now just because I have it. it. was Tyler Hill, who is Mohawk, Derek Bennett, who is Onondaga, Oris Edwards, who was Onondaga, Miles Thompson, who was Onondaga, Lyle Thompson, who was Onondaga, Cree Cathers, Mohawk, and Aaron Printup, Tuscarora, Shay Thomas, Onondaga, Alex Cook, Mohawk, James Bissell, Tuscarora, Emmett Printup, Tuscarora, Ty Thompson, Mohawk, and Michael Hudson, who was Mohawk. And so I thought that was kind of a cool idea for casting, was to bring in the people of the nation and some of them had actually played at, were playing at Syracuse at the time. Oh, that's cool. But the problem they said that they had is like when they were playing bad, they had a hard time playing bad because they kept going back into how they play well. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. At the beginning when they couldn't play. Right. I did like it when they were running through the woods, when they started getting better and were dodging around the trees and doing all of that fast footwork in, in the forest. Is that mm-hmm. how you train for your team new no how do you change for your team Jessica? i guess we do run but that's mostly the practice cradling and we also just throw balls at each other or i guess like compete too, sort of like do little min, min, mini games that that's fun i get to uh, run do you have a position that you play uh i play defense because it's harder i guess because like attack, I feel sometimes is a little bit too easy. So what's your job as a defender? I uh, try to make sure that people don't score. I have, and also have to guard the attack um, person. So I have to make sure they don't catch the ball while also making sure all, all the other people don't catch the ball. But I do also have another um, defense with me. So sometimes... It can be okay. Well, it sounds like a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And also there's midfield, which is like more uh, more attack people from the other team. And, and I guess also like people on my team too. But most of the time, pe- people in midfield are usually just like being attack rather than defense. Oh, so you have it's like hockey or where you have to like stay in one area of the field? Uh, midfield can go anywhere they're just like there to like make sure the person um, the two people in the middle the person on your team is able to get the ball faster than the person on the other team because you have to put your sticks with the other person and then throw it upwards and it has to go over your shoulder so that and the person who gets that ball like has it then they have to pass it three times to be able to actually score oh okay you can't just grab it and score. There's like... Yeah, you can. Okay. So um, the character of Mog, did you guys have any thought about that one? Was he supposed to be tall man or something? 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I read like someone responding to that saying that Ma gets based on a traditional story. And I don't know exactly what it is. I was okay with it. I didn't, I didn't question yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was fine when he walked in and they were like, hey, can you really kill a deer? And, and he's like, no, I'm vegan. I was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Okay. And so I guess like, you know, we had the triple whammy. Uh, we had an eagle with great visual effects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The eagle was something else. Yeah, and eagle flute music and then the papyrus. Yeah, that was a wonderful combination. <laughs> it set the standard, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is about that uh, Dr. Julie Gifford is that she's she wrote the only book on Sinequat language and culture. Mm-hmm. Which I can believe. I mean, at a certain point in time, we didn't have the PhDs, we didn't have the people with the papers to have that kind of academic weight that fortunately mm-hmm. is changing. But it it would be something to talk about how anthropologists move in to native communities and document them, which is a problem in, in and of itself. So I could see how she would be the only one that would have written a book about it because the rest of them were living it. So that does happen, I think. But, you know, like my mom wrote a book with a white dude who was very knowledgeable, very respectful, I guess you could say, of the culture and the language. But, you know, her and my dad worked with him Mm -hmm. and worked with the nation as co-writers and co-authors of of their books. And then uh, Henry Willis also, you know, did a book on the language with, I don't know what his co-writer was or if she was native or not, but at least by that time in the 2000s, they were starting to, you know, go more into co-writing with each other. And I actually do want to hype up my friend, the person who was in the movie, she's like, has a small part. She's the one who brings the feathers to uh, Brandon Routh and brings the gear to to the students and her name's Charlotte Logan and I don't know if she was named after or the character was named after her or not but talking about that she's a person who had like a master's in molecular and cellular biology so I don't even know what that is but <laughs> but from what I read it's a, a field of RNA and, and mRNA processing yes it's very interesting it's actually very interesting yeah yeah and so she kind of like that was her career goal as a scientist and she decided to stop mid-career and go full-time in the Onondaga language program because you know there's like a handful of fluent uh, Onondaga speakers and she has like a long quote but basically it was like uh, she felt like there was something missing and so when she was in New York City she was like she felt lost you know like out of place and so then when she went back home she finally felt at home and that she was as amongst her people where she was born, she kind of like got a feeling that she needed to be there and to be a part of the, the people, part of the language and, and, and be a part of the land because she talks about this mountain she was on. And she says she spent a lot of time going to school to be a scientist only to realize that I was leaving out a huge part of my education. So in order to be indigenous in this time period, I have to make sure that I'm educating myself in my own traditions, history and language, just as I do in the Western discipline. So, you know, going back to the theme of the movie, that's kind of like 
what happens, right? This guy who who goes off, who's a native guy, lives in the Western world. She may not be exploiting, exploiting her people, but <laughs> in his story, <laughs> he exploits his people and he's expanding this huge casino, putting it on your sacred land. And he's using the stereotypical views, visuals of native people only to finally learn from this medicine game that he, he's more than just this westernized human. And aren't we seeing this in Rutherford Falls with Terry Thomas with take because Brandon Routh's character does make the argument that it is it did build the brand new school mm-hmm. that, that that money that came in and that's Terry Thomas's whole thing you know the more money we bring in the more power we have the more influence we have it's right it's playing the colonizers game and beating them at it which is what's happening with the Chickasaws and the a lot of the tribes here in Oklahoma. Yeah. And, you know, back when the Chickasaws, uh, probably like in the 70s and 80s, Ada was becoming a ghost town, basically. A lot of businesses were closing down. So what Chickasaw in their mind and intellect is they just started buying up the area. And at first, like the racist people were getting uncomfortable and were not happy with that. But then as they started creating businesses, creating jobs, even though like, majority of Ada's now like Chickasaw owned businesses, they've given kind of, I hate to use this term, but given back to the community, to the town, and that these town people are back to having jobs and having things like that. And so, you know, it's a give and take if people let people take, almost going back to what what we talked about, like with McGirt, you know, there's a give and take. You have to work together. As opposed to them trying to fight us about everything. And then one of the questions I had was, at the beginning of the movie, the girl plays with with the boys and gets injured. And she's injured throughout the show. And then at the end, we think that we're going to see her actually play in the final game. But then that gets changed to where our main male character gets to go and make the winning score. What do you think, Nick? Uh, yeah, I did want her to get back in and play. Uh, also, also, like... She was the only one who pretty who pretty much got injured besides the uh, main male character, and he only got he 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 went back into the game and stuff, and was playing, so that kind of feels sexist a little bit. But she was the coach. I mean, for that time period between when her dad stepped aside and her brother decided to actually coach. She was the coach. She was the one that really motivated and got into that circle and was like, if you guys don't shape up, I'm going to do this to you. So I, I did appreciate like the mean res girl that got onto the goalie and was like, you've got to start shaping up. <laughs> but that was pretty funny. So you were okay with her being the assistant coach and not actually playing in the game. I think game. it was maybe a trade off. I you know, it would have been nice to see her back in there, but I never really felt like she was part of the team. We never got to see her play before she got injured. Mm-hmm. And then wasn't she when they pulled her headgear off, weren't they surprised that it was her? Didn't she like sneak in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I mean was she even supposed to be part of the team? I that was never clear to me. So what else do you have to talk about of this show, this movie that you thought of or saw? I don't really know. That's pretty much all I really cared about, I guess. I'm sure there's more that I didn't catch, but 
overall, that's all. As for representation of indigenous people in your age, you're, how old are you? I don't know. How old are you? I you're don't know. 11? Yeah, I think so. I think you're 11. Okay. As a person who is 11 years old in this, in this world of, as an indigenous person, mm -hmm. how do you feel representation is for you in media? I feel like that there's not a lot of representation in media. And if there is, it's usually stereotyped. But in this movie, it wasn't that bad. It was, a, it was an okay representation. Still don't know why they had to make the teacher white, but otherwise than that, it was pretty okay. And the other thing that we did when we were trying to find a movie for you guys to watch is we had a hard time finding movies. Do you know of many movies that are for your age category that are available that has indigenous peoples in it or TV shows or any other media that you would recommend for others? I don't really know a lot of movies with indigenous people other than like, I guess there's some Disney things like uh, Coco and Moana and uh, others, I'm sure, but there's not like a lot of famous things of indigenous people and that's kind of upsetting because I didn't know a lot of the movies that were like on um, the list my dad showed me. Yeah, I wish there were more. I know that there's a lot for younger. I mean, I shouldn't say a lot. There's There are a few that are for little people, very young people, like Honest Hint. Molly of Denali gets, you know, skews yeah. a little older, but when you're probably what, seven to 18, there's just not a lot out there. Mm -hmm. That's current, you know, whale rider. How long ago was that? Whale rider was 80 bajillion years ago, but I mean, does it hold up? I don't know. There's some books, I guess, too, that aren't that bad, but I mean, there's not a lot. What's a book to recommend? It's like um, Hedgehog something. Oh yeah, Porcupine. The Porcupine Year is one of the books that she's written. Oh, reading. cool. So yeah, Louise Erdrich's The Porcupine Year is, is, is a book. And she also does a series of books. So Birch House Books or something like that. So there's probably a good amount of Birch books. Birch Bark House. Birch House. So there's probably a good amount of books for tweens and there's some racist ones like little house on the prairie um i read that for school and it was like there's no people there just indians and yeah i like reading racist things to be honest <laughs> it kind of gives you a yeah. different perspective doesn't it <laughs> about how invisible we are to people yeah. all right where's raft did he take off again oh yeah he did good he stuck around long he did good. He brought me some chocolate chip cookies from Alaska mm -hmm. that are very good. I think Saturday morning we'll probably make a big breakfast. There you go. A little chef, a little chef in a family. How about you? You gonna cook for me? I already cooked for myself. I don't care about you. <laughs> Father's Day is coming up. Aren't you gonna cook for me? No, you're not my real dad. <laughs> Who's your real dad? I don't have a father anymore. Were you like incubated? Were you like a little test tube baby or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you say you don't have a real dad. What were you? I don't know. <laughs> a little spore growing, like a little mold. Uh, uh. <laughs>
All right. Anything else we need to talk about? Communism. What do you want to say oh, communism? there's some pluses and minuses to communism. I've there's a really good movie about that. Oh, it's Daniel Craig. Did you ever see that movie with Daniel Craig where he is protecting the Jews that were hiding in Poland in the in the forest? And he he's very Aryan looking, as we uh-huh. all know. So they've smuggled all these Jews out into the forest. And they set up this communism, communistic society. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, bad people start taking advantage of stuff. And Daniel Craig comes in as the benevolent dictator and makes them all behave. <laughs> Which kind of proves the point that communism, while good in theory, doesn't really work in practice because not all human beings are willing to do Human beings good for everybody. I'm sorry, what? Uh, human beings want items and money, and I guess status mostly. I think that grows from capitalism. I think we've been trained to do that from capitalism. I don't think that a lot of our societies pre-contact functioned that way. I could be wrong. Again, not an anthropologist, but I. It seems like our tribes today work more for the common good while still being prosperous what does you guys say about communism what's the pros and cons of communism i mean i guess like everyone gets a chance and everyone has education there's like assurance of medical equipment supply food supply is secure everyone is employed uh it aids the um, gap between the rich and the poor but from a historical standpoint, communism is problematic. People may choose to migrate to other countries. Employment may go up, but meaningful employment goes down. And also, like, people want things. It can lead to a limited view of the world. Also, there would be less incentive to work with communism. Well, and as we've seen historically, communism brought about some of the biggest famines. Mm-hmm in the world. I think a well-regulated capitalistic society is probably a good thing. Ever since the, the Reagan administration, they've been gutting those regulations to make it a kind of a free-for-all. So we've turned into an oligarchy. You know what an oligarchy is? Not really. What's an oligarchy? It's where the rich people control all of everything, all of the systems. Like if you're, if a rich person gets arrested for something, do you think that they get sentenced as harshly as a poor person gets sentenced? No, I don't think so. Same with like people who are attractive. Uh, attractive people get less time in jail. I know that for some reason. But <laughs> Did you experience that personally? No. <laughs> everyone looks ugly to me, so I think I would make a good judge. <laughs> Everyone's ugly. Yeah, everyone is. Then you would make a good judge. If you can judge people fairly. Anything more about economic society or government issues? Political systems. Political systems. There's no nice word for ugly. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that means, but all right. Did we learn uh, anything from this movie? From? From Crooked Arrows. Did we? What did you learn from Crooked Arrows? Uh, we all gonna die. I don't know if you learned that from Crooked Arrows, but okay. that is true. I think I learned that just from life, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you learn from Crooked Arrows, Angela? 
I learned a little bit about lacrosse just because I never knew about it. I knew about stickball, but I didn't realize that there was like college teams that play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Had Professional no idea. Teams. Yeah, had no idea. My coach, she's always like trying to make sure we're normal children who don't break the rules because our, um, every team we go against most of the time does something illegal and we're the only ones who don't do something illegal. And we only won one game out of the whole season. So I don't know how great that's been going for us. (laughs) That goes back to our discussion about communism. (laughs) How many native kids are on your team? Uh, I don't know. I I don't think any of them. Okay. Mm. Just like there's mostly not native kids in my school Mm -hmm. or in my other school. There are a few though. Maybe not in your grade, but I see their travel tag. Yeah, I guess. There is one chalk dog. There's a chalk dog. There's a creek. There was was some interest. There are like two in my class who were Cherokee, I think. Yeah, Cherokee. Is Tully one of them? Yeah, Tully's Cherokee. There's a child in my class named Tully. Really? Yeah. Coming to terms with our own mortality. That will be our next discussion? No. Tune in next week as we talk about coming to terms of our own reality. Are we going to start talking about Walt Disney now? (laughs) And his cryogenically frozen head? (laughs) Yes. Do you know that? Do you know about his frozen head? Yeah, there's a lot of theories about that. Also, people, um, people try giving birth at Disneyland. Because they thought their child would get a free lifetime pass. What? Is true? It's not true. It, it, it's just the first child to get born at Disneyland. They got a little certificate that said, you're the first child to be born at Disneyland. And then everyone else who got, who's trying to give birth to a child at Disneyland, they just like try to get them out of Disneyland as quickly as possible. And everyone thinks they'll get a free lifetime pass because Everyone just assumed that once they get a little cool certificate, there would just be a lifetime pass instead of a certificate saying your child was born here. My daughter got a certificate for buying the first pickle of the day at Walt Disneyland. That's fun. We never got a certificate. I guess it was a button. She had a button she Uh wore around. said first pickle of the day. I had a birthday button. I went there on my birthday, didn't I? Yeah, I think so. Everyone was sad about you, though. Yeah, because they saw my mortality and I ruined everyone's day. Yeah, you did. I'm going to watch a homeless man in a marshmallow hippo. Actually, it's a not hippo. It's a marshmallow not hippo. Is that what we call Moomin Troll? Yeah, Moomin Troll is a marshmallow not hippo when Snufkin is a homeless man. Okay. He's a vagabond. Mm -hmm. He calls himself a tramp. Oh, okay. You ever see Moomin Valley? Yeah. I don't think so. It's a Finnish thing. From Finland. Okay. Yes. Um, there. It's been going on for a while, ever since the 1940s. Huh. Written by... Tove Hansen. Who was a lesbian? She was bisexual. So bisexual yeah she was um she was engaged to a man who ran away which she 
uh, based it off Snufkin, the homeless man. And then she got married to her editor, which she based off um, two people, uh, Bob and Dangany, which I forgot their actual names. The homeless man and the marshmallow hippo are definitely in love. All right. I'm gonna have you say this line right here. Let's highlight it. Can you do it? Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Same indigenous time, same indigenous channel. Don't just keep it real, keep it indigenous. Keep it real indigenous. <laughs> keep, wait, you spelled real wrong. I know you're supposed to, that's real. R-E-E-L, indigenous. So do it. Say it again. Keep it, keep it real indigenous. <laughs> Say it again, right, laughing, go. Keep it real indigenous.